Hey, welcome everybody. And I wanna welcome our folks over at Fredericksburg. I wanna welcome those that are online. And I really wanna welcome all of you that are here at our Stafford campus. I'm really excited to be able to kind of land this plane on this series that we've been doing uh, one year from now. And uh, what I wanna, I really wanna kind of set the stage for us today as we do this. We've, we've been talking about habits and forming habits and. And we're really good at holding on to habits, uh, but we're not always that good of letting go of the bad habits and dropping them like a bag of rocks. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but there are certain habits that I know I should probably let go of, but those are my favorite habits. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. I won't judge you if you don't judge me, okay? So, hey, um, one of the things that I really want us to dive into, what the, the, the whole gist of this today is, I want us, what is it for us to be on mission? I think it was Zig Ziglar that said uh, that if we aim at nothing, we are guaranteed to hit it every single time, all right? So we need to know what our mission is. Now, it's very easy to... Uh, and, and most of us are very familiar with the great commission that, that Jesus gave us at the end of Matthew, where he gives us these great instructions that we need to be people that go. We need to go and to preach and teach and model uh, the kingdom of heaven and understand this, that Jesus never intended us to do this on our own power. In fact, he says, I will be with you to the very end of the age, all right? And so this is very important for us to understand and also understand that it is part of God's mission has always been for us to go because God is the one that left the splendor of heaven and came to earth. He, he left there and came and dwelt among us in the, the man of Jesus Christ. Jesus, both God, both man, and his great motivator that carried him was that act of love that he has for his creation. And so what I want to walk us through a little bit today is why the kind of the, the what and the hows, but then eventually the whys of, of what we do. So before we do that, let's go ahead and dive in. I love how Jason does this every time he starts us off in prayer. Let's go to, and start this in prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning so grateful uh, to be here. So grateful uh, for who you are, so grateful that you allow us to uh, participate in your kingdom. And not only participate, but you uh, want us to, to really be part of it. And we are part of it. And so God, today, whatever it is that is holding us from hearing what you have in store for us today, I'm going to ask that you would just in the only way that you can, the best way that is ever done, would you just clear the mechanism for us? Clear the distracting thoughts, clear the distracting emotions. May we hear what you have to say today. May your favor rest upon each of us as we hear you speak to us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And amen. Well, good morning. If you are new to the Mount, my name is John Cook, and I am the pastor of care and counseling here. Uh, I am your pastor of care and counseling, and what it is to, a privilege to be part of that and to do this. Um, 
as we've been talking about, what we're trying to figure out is where do I want to be a year from now? And all of us have these ideas. Uh, if you do just a simple Google search, uh, the, this whole idea of uh, New Year's resolutions, which are just terrible, um, but if that's what you need is the start of a new year to start a new thing, and if it works, that's great, okay? It is easy for us to define the what's. The top five uh, resolutions that were made uh, this year, you can do just a simple Google search on this, 52% of the responders said that exercise, every, they wanted to exercise more. 50% uh, said that they wanted to eat healthier. Well, don't we all? Uh, but there's this thing called a cinnamon roll. Whoever made up the cinnamon roll, God bless that man or woman. Oh, what a great combination. Um, uh, let's see, 40% uh, want to lose weight, 39% want to save more money, and then 37% said that they want to spend more time with family and friends or vacation more often. Now, it's easy to come up again with the what's. What do I want to do? I want to be slimmer. I want to be trimmer, okay? I want to be in, in shape. You know, I've told you this before. I'll say it again. Uh, when I was a young man, I wanted to be, okay, who am I kidding? I still want to be the Bowflex guy, all right? Now, I will tell you, in the early 80s, when the Bowflex came out, the guy that they had modeling this, well, I don't know how to say it other than this. Man, he was hot. Yeah. He was, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, all the girls wanted to date him and all the guys wanted to be him, okay? You're like, wow, how do you do that? Okay, well, to be the Bowflex guy, I know what I want. I even know how to do this. I just need to go and lift weights. I need to probably change my diet. I need to, you know, do all these things. I know what the what is. I know what the how is. I want to, you know, some of you, some of you that I cannot understand for the life of me would like to run a marathon. The only way that I would ever run a marathon is if somebody was chasing me with a gun and about a mile into it, I'm like, just take me out of my misery. You win, okay? Thank you. Whoever gave the clap, yes, okay? I know I'm not alone. It's not right for you to run 26.2 miles and then put a sticker on the back of your car telling everybody that you did it. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel even more inferior. No, um, but if you want to run a marathon, you know that you've got to start running. Now, if you've never done this before, you've got to start running hills, okay? So if you really want to be a glutton for punishment, you've got to do that. If you want to save money, guess what? Stop spending everything you have. You know what to do. You know how to do it. But why do we not do these things? Why do we not do this? I want to share something with you, and there's a couple of models I'm going to share with you of how we make changes, how we move from the what, I know what to do, I have an idea of how to do it, but I've really got to understand the why that I do it. The why becomes the motivating factor that keeps us moving forward. One of the big things that really prevents us from really starting new behaviors is the absolute fear of change. There's a couple models that if, no, I will tell you this, no change will happen 
until the fear of change here, and this, is, this happens all the time. You guys have probably heard me talk about this before because it's very real. And when I'm sitting with, with couples and individuals, they know that they want things different. They even have an idea of how to do things differently. But right now, the fear of change, it outpaces the discon, uh, discomfort or the pain that they're currently in. Think about this. I may not know exactly what to do. I may not know exactly how to do it. But right now, the concept of doing anything different, I can't see how it would play out. And so we stay in this place of fear, and then we project on others, you need to change, and then I'll see how that plays out, and then I'll consider if I need to change, all right? However, if you invert this and the fear of change is finally trumped by the discontentment and pain that we are feeling, in other words, I don't like where I am anymore. I cannot stand this anymore. It is, I will do whatever it takes to make this go away. Now, I've talked about this before. Some of you are aware of this, some of you are not. This played out very real in my life. Let me give you a very firsthand experience with this. I was 38 years old when I had my first heart attack. Now, I would tell you, heredity is kicking me in the teeth. My love of Big Macs wasn't help. And then whoever invented that cinnamon roll, God loved that person. And my thought was, well... It took 38 years to have my first heart attack. I'm probably good for another 30 years. What I'm going to do, I'll just take medicine. Better living through modern chemistry. Not the best way to think of things, all right? But there was this fear of change that exceeded the very real pain I was in until my second heart attack. Now, I will tell you the gap between my first and my second one I did absolutely nothing to take care of myself. And I went from about 230 pounds and in shape to almost 300 pounds and way out of shape. And along the way, I will tell you, I know I need to change. I know this probably isn't good. And as I'm sitting in the hospital, my son, if you guys know anything about my son, if you've met my son, he's a tall, blonde-headed kid that works out at the coffee shop. He's a great kid. He's normally very jovial, a lot of fun. He comes into my hospital room, and there I am with all my glory, all, almost 200 and, okay, I, I tipped the scale at 295 was the heaviest I ever got. And I'm sitting in that gown, the jumbo gown, and he comes in, he's got this serious look on his face. I'm like, what's going on, pal? I'm good. And he goes, this one's on you, dad. I will tell you right there, the fear of change plummeted and the discomfort and pain that I was experiencing, the emotional pain that I realized that I brought onto one of the people that I love the most in this world skyrocketed, and so I knew it was time for change. 
There's another model of change that really affects us here, and this is called the trans-theoretical model of change. It took me a week to be able to pronounce that. So, um, but the trans-theoretical model of change is a cycle, and this, I think, will resonate with an awful lot of us, all right? There is something that happens, and we decide that there's probably, we, we need to bring about some change in our life. We're starting to define the what. We're even starting to define the, the how a little bit more. And so we start this pre-contemplation of what would it look like? What are the possibilities? You know, the fear of change and the actual pain I'm in is, is kind of doing one of these numbers a little bit. And so that gets us to start thinking differently. And then we dive in and we really maybe even start making a plan. And then we begin to prepare ourselves for this. I will tell you when it came to me initially starting to lose weight, I just said, I'll just eat better. And after about two weeks of that, I realized, ah, I don't even know how to eat better. And so I went to my wife and I said, baby, I don't know how to eat. And she goes, all right, we've got this thing. You'll love this. She goes, I will help you but you need to go, in it, go into the cone of silence. You guys know what the cone of silence is? Get smart, okay? That little cone that comes over and the only thing you're supposed to be able to hear is the person talking with you. She says, get into the cone of silence and don't listen to anything else. I'll help you do this. And she knows what she's doing, all right? And so I said, okay, I'll go into the cone of silence. And so I did that and so I prepared and then we went into action and we started doing things. And then all of a sudden, the weight just started coming off. I'm like, dang, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, I will tell you here that within the maintenance phase, and we keep on doing it, keep on doing it, there are moments where there's relapse. Again, if you go to the airport and that cinnamon bon, Cinnabon thing, or better yet, you go into any mall and they've got the, the what is it, the Auntie M pretzel place with the cinnamon and the frosting. Don't forget the frosting. Yeah. All right. Huh. or any chip and salsa combination, it doesn't even have to be good. <laughs> it just has to be chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. It might as, I might as well just open up and dump it in, all right? And so there are times where there are relapse, and then what I do, I feel guilty, and then I go back and I start, okay, I can't do that again. But a lot of times what really happens... What really happens is there's a, re, a, a relapse that, and we never get back on the cycle. And so what really truly happens, what brings about real lasting change is understanding that the reason why I feel better, the reason why I don't have the emotional pain anymore, the reason why I'm embracing change is because I correlate the new habits, the new whys, the new what's and how's, and I get here where the fear of change and discontentment and pain begin to drop by themselves. Now, one of the things that also happens is, and you can see this if, uh, especially people that are on medication, say for bipolar, they lose the idea that the reason why there has been such great change and they're feeling so much better and they're interacting people is that it's because the medicine that has been able to balance them out a little bit. 
And so they make this decision, well, I don't want to take the medicine anymore. I feel so good, I don't need the medicine anymore. And then what happens is that pain that they go into, it rockets up. And then they play this game, and all of us, you don't have to be bipolar to do this, you can be any one of us for whatever it is. We can play this game back and forth all day long until we connect that the reason why I am making strides, my life is better, is I'm correlating the change that I accepted, and that brings it all together, and this is my why. The why becomes because I want to be better, because I want to do better. The why is the key that goes into the ignition and starts the engine, but the real fuel that feeds our whys are values, what we believe. A value, values are individual beliefs which motivate us to live and act in certain ways. Values are the individual beliefs that motivate us for change or staying constant. Now, I'll tell you, most of us have picked up our values primarily through family but here in the last few generations, it has been through culture. Culture bears down upon us and tells us what our values should be. We are inundated by what the world says values, what is important, what should motivate you. All you have to do is watch any football game during the advertisements about new cars and drinking the right beer and, and apparently betting makes things great because if I bet, then I'm gonna get rich. They never talk about losing, okay? We're inundated on Facebook. We're inundated on Instagram, all of our social media platforms. And people are listening in and they are trying to show us what our values should be. And if our values are against what God's are, there's an emptiness and a shallowness and a hollowness of those values. And we find this empty spot in our lives where there is regret and most importantly, there is shame. And we don't understand why we are not on mission for God. I want to be on mission for God. I want to be the right husband. I want to be the right wife. I want to be the right parent or the right, right child or whatever it is. But my values are saying, look at me. I gotta take care of me. The apostle Paul says it's this way in Galatians chapter five. He's gonna do a really great uh, presentation here, the latter part of chapter five of Galatians. He's gonna say, listen, there are two sets of values. There are the values of the world, what it is for us that we want to live for ourselves or the value of living and living out God's values. So Paul says, and this is some pretty harsh words here that he says, these are the values of the world. 
The acts, again, you could even say the values. What motivates me and my actions that play out of the flesh, they're obvious. You ready? I'm going to chase after sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Think about it. There's a ton of idolatry happening in our world right now. Anything. Ready? Anything. That word anything means anything that we place above God becomes an idol for us. I'll let you decide what your idol is. I know what mine are, and I'm not sharing, okay? Now, <laughs> idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, mm. and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are serious words. And the reason why Paul says this, these are in complete opposition of what God wants. These are values that will destroy us and pull us away from the mission that we know we're supposed to be on but we allow ourselves to be inundated with, with what the world says and we forget the mission that God has placed on us. Inversely, Paul's gonna say, listen, there's another option here. What if we live by the values that God has bestowed upon us? The very values that God plays out and demonstrates to us. He says this, Paul goes on, he goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the key value that motivates our God. It was out of his love for his people that he left the splendor of heaven and became man in the man of Jesus Christ. Jesus, fully God, yet fully man. It was out of his great love for his people. His mission was to leave where he was to come to us so that he could bring us so that we could all be together eventually. It is also, I want you to have life now and I want you to have an abundance now. And his motivating factor, his motivating value was love but it's also joy and peace or forbearance. It's also patience, careful praying for that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. There's no limitations. There's no pro uh, prohibition against that. These values, when we hold on to these, are one of those that is not only internal, but it is extremely external. When we live by the flesh, it is all about feeding me and my ego and what I want here. But when I am living by these values, I live outside of myself. Paul goes on and he talks about in Philippians chapter two. I love this. He goes, is there any encouragement from belonging in Christ? Do you get anything out of being in, in Jesus Christ? He goes, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy 
by agreeing, I can't even read this, wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one, with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. That's is a value. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only, only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And Paul's gonna go on and he talks about how Jesus left the splendor of heaven, became man, and eventually went to death on the cross for us. That he gave us the example of what it is to serve and to love others. Do you see that the values of God are extrinsic? They're, they're coming and they're flowing. Not only we, do we have to embrace them, we need to have this sense of who we are, it, uh, this identity that we have in Christ Jesus that we are loved, that we are valuable. But when we grasp that, then we have to begin to start showing that to other people. That's being on mission. You don't have to go to the ends of the word, world to be on mission for God. I can, you can, we can, ought to be on mission right here. Right in our homes. With our husbands and our wives and our children and our neighbors. I don't hardly even have to walk out my front door to be on mission with God. If my values, if I allow God to transform my thinking and transform me from the inside out, my values are guided by who Jesus says I am and who God is. Are you guys with me on this? Is this resonating? All right, I'm gonna land this plane, put your seatbelts on. We're gonna come to a quick landing here. I wanna give you three points here that I think are super, super important here. First, we have to evaluate our values. What motivates you? What is your motivating factor? For the longest time, I will tell you, my motivating factor was money, prestige, job title, cars, all of that. Until the reality of how empty and shallow those things are. And I came to the end of myself that my values had to change. What motivated me was no longer finances. Now, that does not mean that I don't expect you to go to work. But it does mean to put it into perspective and understand that work is a way to provide for you and your family. And it is a blessing from God. And as a child of God, one of my values is to be an incredible employee. Paul talks about that. What are your values? What motivates you? And I will tell you if they are shallow and if they are all internally driven, there is 
always going to be this emptiness because you'll never be able to fill your life with what the world has to offer. You know that. You know that. So what are your values? Second thing, you, we, all of us, need to evaluate our whys. Why do I do what I do? If my values are feeding me, I'll understand my why. I tell you this, let me put it this way. When I was in seminary, when I was in school, one of the first real major assignments that we had to do, I think it was the first semester, was to establish a mission statement for our ministry, what we thought what was our why? Now, I'll tell you my why was motivated by the change of heart that came with the values that God began to pour into me and change me from the inside out. But holding on to my why kept me focused. All right? Just as when I started losing weight, the reason why I was losing weight was because I wanted that I knew that there was, it was more than just me. Let me put it that way. It was a family, it was a church, it was a, a baseball team, it was, uh, it, were my, it was my friends. It's all of you. Y'all are my why. It's more than just me. So when I'm at school, I'm reading along and I come across the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And I said, well, there's my why. I wanna share this with you. Some of you may be familiar, some of you may not, and that's okay, all right? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, I'll tell you what, Zacchaeus, he resonates with me. He's all about money. He's all about prestige. He probably dresses really nice, and nobody likes him because all he does is he takes, he takes, he takes. It's all what is in it for me? But Jesus comes to Jericho and something is about to change in Zacchaeus. He says, but because he was a short man, he cannot see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Can I tell you what my why is? And it came right out of there. I want to be the sycamore fig tree. This apparently is a picture. This is supposed to be the tree that Zacchaeus climbed almost 2,000 years ago. It's in Jericho. It's one of the largest uh, tourist, loca uh, tourist stops in Jericho. Can you see a wee little man hanging from a branch there? See, I want to be the sycamore fig tree. My why is I want to lift people up above the distractions of this world so that they can see the oncoming Jesus. That's my why. What's your why? I don't expect your why to be mine. All right? But when God changed me from the inside out, when I began to pursue his values, 
the why became very clear. And so you ready for this last part? This last one. Don't show it yet. Don't show it yet. See, we think we got to get everything together. We think we got to get everything in one sock, as my son-in-law says. We got to get it right. For me to be a better dad, I got to first learn about being a better dad. I've got to have all the right words. And if, I, if I'm going to be the spiritual leader in my house, I need to be able to pray in fluent King James and be... No. If you want to be on mission with God, you ready? Just start. Just start. You don't have to have an elaborate plan. If God is changing your values and if God is making clear what your why is, just start. Just start today to make a decision that today I am going to find one way to build up everybody in my home. I'm going to find one way to tell each person in my house or each person in my immediate small sphere of influence I appreciate you. That's all you got to do. Maybe you live by yourself and your best friend. And maybe you just, you know, went out with them last night, had dinner, stuff like that. What about sending them a text message? I so appreciated just spending time with you last night. Thank you. Or maybe you got an argument with your spouse last night and you're waiting for him or her to make the change. Say, you need to apologize. At least that's our mentality. I ain't changing until you change. You got two people doing that? Guess what? That's going to be brutal. What if you were to start by saying, hey, baby, I'm so sorry that we argued last night. That's it. Don't try to justify your actions. Well, I don't like fighting with you. Just start. And some of you may be here and some of you online or somebody down in Fredericksburg or even somebody here at Stafford. You're here knowing that your why is, okay, let's be honest, it's all jacked up. You know that your values are skewed and you want something to be different and you want to know about this Jesus but you're afraid you don't have everything all together and that he wouldn't accept you. I am going to quote my sister on this one. That is a lie from the pit of hell. See, Jesus wants us right where we are. He left heaven, not because earth got it all together, he left heaven so that we all could get it together. If you want to start with Jesus, then start with Jesus. You ready for a really simple prayer? If you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, 
Just pray this simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, today I am asking you to be Lord of my life. I don't know what that all means, but I want to start here and now. Hear me, Lord, because I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guess what? You just started. You want to be a spiritual leader in your household? Just start. You want to be a better husband? Just start doing it. You want to be a better wife? Just start doing it. You want to be a better student? Just start. You want to be a better employee? Start. Just do it. Somebody should make that a tagline. Just start. Can we help you? Do you feel like you're stuck? Do you feel like you have fallen off of mission? Do you feel like you haven't been on mission? Whatever it is, our prayer team is going to be up here. I'll be up here. Let's start. And if you prayed to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life, start living in that courageously. Come forward. Come talk to me. I don't want to embarrass you. I want to embrace you. And I want to help you move from the starting line to becoming a student, to becoming a disciple maker. And it's going to take time. But start. Father God, whoever it is, whatever it is that you're calling them to do, I'm asking that you would change their value system, that they would totally examine their why and allow you to define both of them, and that today that they would simply start. And Lord, if they need help from us, may us, may those who are on mission, may we partner with you and through you and walk with anyone that needs it. Because at one point, Lord, we were at the very start. God, may we help them run the race that you have marked out for them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.